Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. And today we are going to talk about man versus germs. Man versus germs. It's tailgating season. And That's, so yep. this is why this came up. We thought, I'm a big college football fan and love tailgating. Of course, we live here in Ohio where, you know, football is religion. Right. <laughs> it really is. It is very important. But nothing ruins a good tailgate like food poisoning. We have, go ahead. We have our first in house guest today, and yes. I am so excited. I know, this is so nice to have you here with us instead of like virtual, too. So, we have got Mary Angela Miller, and she is a registered dietitian over 35 years. 15 of those years were the, she served as the director of nutrition services at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. She has served millions of meals to our most vulnerable people, you know, people who are in the hospital and severely sick, and those have all been very safely served. (laughs) So uh, now Mary Angela is a small business entrepreneur and owner of Keep Safe Food, LLC, and she is dedicated to consumer and personal food safety now. So we have brought her in to help us sort through tailgating and maybe foodborne illnesses, right? Exactly. Welcome, Mary Angela. Yeah. Very Thank excited. You. Thanks Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Why did you kind of create Keep Safe Food? Why is consumer food safety an important next step for you? Well, let me tell you that, <laughs> that my friends tell me Nobody gets as excited about foodborne illness or food poisoning as you do. And that, that's okay. That's, that's probably very true. But let me tell you why. I was a food service director for, for all those years. And over those years, people would come to me and say, I think I got sick on your salad bar. Hmm. And I would say, no, why do you think that? Yeah. Because anytime somebody has food poisoning... They always think it's their last meal, uh-huh. and they always think it's the last meal that they ate out somewhere else or at a, a restaurant. Home. Interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. I just I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. That's just fascinating. Hmm. And and the reality is that foodborne illnesses can happen up to thirty days after you eat a food depending on what the organism is uh-huh. and what the food was and how healthy you are or are not. Right. So I just realized over time, I don't want to say that consumers are, are clueless about food safety, but I think they're misinformed. So sure. my goal was to come up with ways to help consumers or people outside of the industry keep safe food at home, to give them the information that they need right where they are, right there in front of them when they need to know it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so true. Like 30 days is amazing. Like that something can make you sick after 30 days. Right. It's just, so it so makes it really hard to pinpoint what. Right. It makes it very difficult to track that down. Right. And I totally agree with you. I can see where people would say it's the last thing I ate. 
And clearly, I would never have done this in my kitchen to make myself right. sick. Um, that's truly a revelation to me to think about how that might that I can totally see that yeah. in your position. Well, the other the other thing to think about is they're fairly common. One mm-hmm. in six people mm-hmm. has one every year. Wow. So, oh wow, every year. Yeah, you have you have them pretty often. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about this, it's hard to remember what you ate yesterday, let alone last week, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to kind of track down how you got it. Yeah. But so the, you want to think about how can I prevent it? And you may well have got it at a restaurant. I mean, think mm-hmm. about at home. You might have, what, one to three people involved in cooking a meal. Mm-hmm. You might to cook meals for 10 to 15 people over the course of a day or two, you know, if you multiply that out. And think about the job I had. You're not doing, you're doing, you know, five to 10,000 meals a day. Mm -hmm. And it's not one to three people, it's 300 people. So there's more opportunity maybe in a big operation just because of the numbers. But the things that can cause a foodborne illness are just as likely to happen there as they are in your home kitchen. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what does it take to become a food safety expert? I think it takes two things. Um, Expertise and experience, right? And so becoming certified in food safety is kind of like becoming a dietitian. Okay, first you have to get certified at some national level. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, through the National Restaurant Association. And then you have to get certified in Ohio. Okay. okay? So it's like becoming then licensed Uh in Ohio. And then to become, that that allows you to operate Mm -hmm. a food service operation. And then on top of that, um, you can become certified as I have in teaching food safety to other people. And then on top of that, you can become a proctor so that you can test other people as they become experts in teaching food safety. And then you Mm. have to recertify every three to five years. I just recertified last week, for example, um, as a food safety manager. Okay. And then, of course, running an operation, as I did for all those years, you get inspected. So you, that's where you develop your expertise, when the health department comes in and looks at your operation and makes sure that you not only know this stuff, but that you're doing this Practicing stuff. It, yeah. So that's kind of how you become a food safety expert. Okay. Awesome. So when we talk about food safety, what do you mean? Because that's, that's such, a, a, such a broad term. Yeah. And, and I have to really think about how to answer that because a lot of people think about allergies, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, allergies are important. Sure. But that's a specific reaction to a specific food for a specific person. So that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The other thing we're not talking about is, like, food safety is, like, organic or natural food safer for you than yeah. foods that aren't. You can get a foodborne illness. You can get food poisoning. <laughs> Just as easily from a natural food, you can just become naturally ill, okay, as you can from a food that, that's not organic. That, that's super interesting. I think I'd seen some research where I'd done a presentation on organic foods and saying that they're actually in some ways more likely because of how things are fertilized. That's right. They tend to be fertilized with manure. Uh-huh. And that can create that sure. a lot of the recalls that have happened yeah. have been on organic products. So how can you tell if you have a foodborne illness? Well, one of the things that we were taught is that there's no such thing as the stomach flu. So Mm. if you've got those symptoms that 
kind of remind you of the flu. You might have a runny nose or, you know, sore throat and a bad headache. But also some of the GI involvement, and I don't think I need to go into detail there with what we're talking about. It's probably more of a foodborne illness than the flu. Okay, so even with that, the sniffles and everything, you're, you're saying like even with the sniffles and things like that, if you suspect you have a stomach, when you said this to me before, I was floored by that. Like the, there really isn't anything to a stomach flu. It's usually... You, a mild or moderate a, or in some cases a more severe foodborne food illness, illness. That, because it really does impact your gastrointestinal tract. Okay. Okay. Now, curious, is there in fact stomach flus that occur? It's like nor, what, like noroviruses? Right. Well, norovirus, though, is considered a very common foodborne illness. Really? Yes, because it's a food handler issue. It's not uh, just the gosh. food. It's also the food okay. handler. Um, uh-huh. And so that's why it's one of what we even call the big six. Huh. One of the six big organisms that's responsible for the most common foodborne illnesses. Because you see it like on cruises that, you know, you can take yeah. down an entire cruise ship with the norovirus. Right. And maybe it started from food service handling. Right, or it can be passed hand-to-hand. Right. So that's why on a cruise okay. ship where you're in a contained environment, yeah, right, it might happen. Yeah. But it can happen outside of that if somebody has norovirus on their hands and uh-huh. serves you a food mm-hmm. with them. Uh-huh. So, so it can be part all. of the food or the food plate or utensil that they handled as well. Yes. Wow. But you, okay. you got it I, in your mouth that way. That just blows my well, mind. Well, you know, because so. people get confused about flu and stomach flu. And right. I'm like, no, you have the stomach. There is no such thing as a stomach flu. You have, you know, you have gastroenteritis or the, the fancy right. medical term we use for that. But I never connected it to, like, it's probably in some way foodborne. Right. Fascinating. Yeah. The, but then, you know, and, and you think, well, if everybody else in my house catches it, that's because you passed it on. Right. Not that everybody necessarily ate that same food. Yeah. Wow. I'm shocked. I know. (laughs) Okay. So how can you tell if a food is unsafe then? Well, the challenge is we often think of unsafe food as spoiled food, right? But people usually don't get sick from spoiled food because you wouldn't eat it. It looks funny. It feels funny. Mm -hmm. It smells funny. Uh So I don't usually worry about spoiled food because it's disgusting and you throw it away. You don't eat it, (laughs) right? right? True. (laughs) The other thing that people, I get a lot of questions about is food dating. And by that, I don't worry too much about food dates because, again, most people will pitch a food if it says it's expired Uh rather than eating it. So the concern is you can't see it. Most foodborne illnesses are caused by eating a food that you can't see it because the bacteria or the pathogen, which is what we call them, it can't be seen. Right. You can't taste it. Yeah. So you ate it and Uh it causes the symptoms today, tomorrow, three weeks from now, but you really can't tell how you got it. And that makes sense because if you have things in the back of your fridge... That yeah. have drifted. Everybody has those. They've drifted to the back, <laughs> and they have fuzz on them. Yeah, you're like you're not going to sit and eat that. That's exactly right. right. So people can't tell just by looking at the food, right? Whether that's a safe item or not. That's that's also a really good point. Yep. 
So let's get into those tailgate parties that everybody is going to. I'm sure there are some set up right now all over the country. (laughs) Why is food safety at tailgates a concern for people? Well, I, I think it's because similar like to potlucks or any group gathering, there's so many moving parts, right? There's so many logistics involved. There's lots of players. There's lots of interaction. There might be lots of contributors to the food safety at a tailgate. (laughs) And and food, in my mind, is central to the tailgate experience. Second only maybe to the game and well, maybe to the beverages. Yeah. Um, So so it's it's just a very big part of the event. Mm -hmm. And and so when we talk about that, though, let me ask you two. What are your favorite tailgate foods? Ah. I'm a big fan of buffalo chicken dip. Ah, and how about you, Love Laura? That. Yeah. I, I, my go-to is my grandmother's homemade potato salad. All right. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love sausage on oh. the grill. Okay? Ah, okay. Oh. But one of the things you learn, all right, when you learn about food safety, is there are eh, really 12 high-risk food categories Wow. And we won't go through all of them, but a lot of tailgate foods, including the ones we just mentioned, are in those categories. So when you talk about buffalo chicken dip, Mm -hmm. poultry is a high-risk item. Mm -hmm. Yep. And dairy, which I'm sure, I'm assuming there's some dairy in the ingredients, right? Sour cream, blue cheese. And when you talk about potato (laughs) salad... We call those heat-treated plant foods, right? Because potatoes are plants, and uh-huh. you probably cooked them before. Right. And heat-treated plant foods, and then with whatever dressing you're putting on the potato salad okay. is high risk. And for my love of sausages, ground meat are high risk. So mm-hmm. a lot of the foods that we consume at a tailgate are in that high-risk category. So you want to make sure that you are handling them safely and appropriately and still right. have a good time. Right. What about things like I think about like like cheese cubes and and you know hmm. fruit and veggie platters. Obviously, if there's dip, that introduces another issue. But do you have to be concerned about things like I mean, yeah, I know cheese cubes can get kind of dry and don't taste very good. Right. But does that ever become a, a food safety concern? It becomes a food safety concern if it's sat out too long. Okay. Because those kind of foods. At, we call it the temperature danger zone, right? Uh-huh. And that's room temperature, right? Or if you're outside, it can be even warmer than room temperature because, yeah. you know, even here in Ohio, we had 94-degree weather right. yesterday. <laughs> if you were having a tailgate yesterday and you had cheese sitting out, it could potentially become unsafe after an hour. And two hours wow. maximum, mm-hmm. I would say, should you have food sitting out at any event without refrigeration. And we don't think often of those sliced foods, but sliced tomatoes and lettuce are high-risk items. So, again, you might have those on your burger, right? So I would keep them cool. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. I know I like to, when I'm putting out a spread, whether it be a tailgate or a picnic or whatever... I am very mindful of this as a dietitian. Yeah, we are very much ingrained with the danger zone of temperatures. This is why my family gets mad when I throw food away at two hours. I'm like, well, we're done. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I always try to put a tray out with ice and keep things cool. And and so I can buy myself a little more time. And you can do that. There's a lot of cool things I think that you can use. I have this inflatable bathtub that they make fun of me for bringing to the family cookouts. (laughs) But it just allows 
me to put my food that I'm bringing at least on yeah. there and not worry about it. Right. right. Because usually at these gatherings, there's people that you love the most. So yeah. you don't want them to get sick. Right. And so they can laugh at me, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> nice. Nice. Very good. Yeah. What other challenges do tailgates pose to food safety? Because well, you're not at home. Well, often right. not at home. I mean, they may be at home, right? They could be in your backyard. Yeah. But whenever you transport food, it's, I think it's a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. And then depending, we were talking a little bit about the different tailgates we've gone to. You know, do you have power there? So if you have yeah. access to power, then you might be able to manage it a little easier than if you're just truly going to do like the tailgate with no electricity mm-hmm. and, and nothing to do that. So you want to be very, very careful in how you transfer the food. Because mm-hmm. when you talk about leaving it out for two hours, well, if half of that hour was spent getting there, getting there and you didn't have <laughs> right. it under refrigeration getting there, then you have to consider that. And one of the things I always remind people, it's better in an air-conditioned back seat than in a hot trunk. Makes sense. Yes, okay. For sure. So, so when you're yeah. transferring it, so I think transferring <laughs> is one of the challenges, and of course, access to uh, electricity or power. If you have a way to keep things hot mm-hmm. or enough ice to keep things cold when you get there, I'm even like that with my groceries. Like yesterday, yeah. I went to the store in the afternoon, uh-huh. and I was like weird about it. I don't want to put it in this in the trunk. I mean, I had a cooler right. and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I have meat in here. I'd really not yeah. like not to put that in the back. Yeah, I'm like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can you walk us through some basic tips for food safety? Just basic. Well, we, I would be glad to. <laughs> you know, there's four separate categories, and, and they're pretty simple there's, when you think about them. So first is clean, but think ahead, plan a little bit. Um, sanitizer wipes for your utensils, etc., and also hand sanitizer is a good idea. But think about what you're going to do with it after. So a trash bag. And, you know, something to seal it off. And I always hmm. suggest one of those pop-up holders for your trash bag because if you're going to be pulling it out and sticking your hand oh, in it, it's so easy for your hands good. to get gross. And people don't think about washing yes. their hands after they pitch something. Right. Right. So, so that's do, why. But <laughs> well, you do. Well, yeah. you do. But right. you're right. Most of us don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next thing is separation, right? So you want to make sure that you keep things separate and I'm going to walk you through that because I often when it comes to tailgates I think of it as what I would say is six degrees of separation okay so you might think of it as a movie or if you're talking about a tailgate you might think of it as a point spread for the game but I'm talking about it as food safety okay all right so the most important thing is you want to keep your raw foods or foods that you're going to cook uh-huh. away from any of your cooked foods or what we say ready-to-eat foods, foods right. that aren't going to be able to be cooked. Yep. Because if there's any organisms on those raw foods yep. that uh, you're going to cook till you kill them, you don't want it to get on the food that you're not, not going gonna to cook. cook to get All right? So yeah. secondly, what do you do? You want to keep those in separate coolers. That's just the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... Not only the food in separate coolers, think about the ice, all right? I'm going to give you an example, Hmm. all right? Let's say you put this raw food in a cooler with the ice that your beverages, your bottles and your cans are going to be in. (laughs) And and it just happens to leak, you know, maybe your burgers happen to leak because that can happen, right? (laughs) And you cook those burgers to safety and everybody eats them and enjoys them. But say people get sick after, they never ask, what did you drink? 
Right. right? And you may have contaminated every can or bottle, but even though you cooked those hamburgers to the right temperature. Uh-huh. So not only separate coolers, but separate ice in the coolers, please. Um, <laughs> one of the other things that I would remind you is if, if you marinate any food, like if you're marinating chicken to put on uh-huh. the grill, make sure you don't use that marinade as a sauce after. Right. And it's harder to cook it. You can use it if you cook it, but it's harder to do at a tailgate. So right. pitch that marinade. Don't don't take the chance because, again, it's got the raw right. ingredients. I in do it. that with um, one of my favorite recipes that I make that I love to grill out and tailgate with is a beef shish kebab. Okay. And so I marinate the meat in a baggie, but then I marinate my vegetables in a different baggie. Okay. And I use that marinade. I heat it up on the stove and use that for my sauce. And I toss the sauce with my meat. There you go. Because I've kept Lauren. them separate. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the fifth thing that I would remind you is make sure you use separate utensils, plates, Serving dishes. And, I, and I'm going to tell you a true story of, of something that happened to me. I was invited over to a friend's house. It was a backyard tailgate. And let's just call him Manny. And Manny <laughs> served me the hamburgers off the grill. And I thought it was a pretty cool plate, a little platter. Uh-huh. It was like gray and it was curved around the edges. And when he set it down on the table, I realized it was that styrofoam tray that you oh. buy the hamburgers wrapped in and right. on. Oh, gosh. And I remember just going, what do I do? So when Manny went out to cook more food, I put those my, those hamburgers in his microwave and he made sure that I had them back up to 165 <laughs> degrees and had the discussion later. Had the discussion right. later. I um, put them on a different plate. I put them on a different <laughs> plate and I just pitched the styrofoam tray. Um, and then the last thing or the sixth item is don't mix your batches. So okay. if you're, you know, serving mac and cheese or your potato salad or something, put out a small amount that you know people are going to eat uh-huh. fairly quickly. And then when it's gone and you have a second, you know, a second, say, batch, yeah. separate the batches. Because right. if one batch happens to have sat a little long or been contaminated, right. you don't want to add to that. You want to pitch that and come up with something fresh. So separation is just really important when it comes to... Um, tailgating. Yeah. And Cooking. in their home. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and it tastes better, too, if you put out something fresh. That's a good If point. you refresh a platter to yeah. something, you know. The question I would be, so let's say you have that platter out and you refresh it with more meat or something. Do you need to sit, go with a separate platter? Like, or do you think the stuff that's been sitting there? I would. Okay. I, I mean, just to, if you wanted to be really safe, I would. And I guess not to be wasteful, but there's so many disposable things you can use. Now, I think of the stuff in our hospital kitchen, like most of that, we pitch after caterings and things like that. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you can't really keep those. There's there's such a fine line, Mm. I call it, between taste and waste. Yeah. Yeah. But in a tailgate situation, I would pitch. And I'm a big believer in in leftovers, and I pretty much live on leftovers now, you know. (laughs) But... um, but in a tailgate situation, I wouldn't take the chance. I would pitch it before I went home. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. good. All right. How about, um, so you said clean, separate. And cooking. And cooking. Cooking is, okay. a, is a big one, and it's a simple one. Right. We always think about cooking to the right temperature. And I would do this at a tailgate. You know, it's, it's so hard. We all think, oh, well, I know. You know, I can trust my senses. Mm-hmm. But I say, think about that. 
-hmm. Every grill is different. Mm -hmm. Every fire or the heat is different mm -hmm. on that grill. Mm -hmm. um, every hamburger steak is different in its size, you know, or maybe in its ingredients. Every day's weather is different. Mm -hmm. uh, so you really can't, I don't think, just rely that, oh, I can tell when this particular hamburger mm -hmm. on this particular grill on this particular right. day is safe. So I would check the temperature and mm -hmm. I would make sure you have a good food thermometer, not just any food thermometer, mm -hmm. a good th food thermometer. She's okay. holding one right now. You yeah. can't see it, but she has a really nice one. I'm kind of, I've kind of got a little food food thermometer envy right yeah. now. I'm thinking I might go buy one of those. <laughs> well, you might. <laughs> and and when I was testing, because I tested a lot of thermometers, yeah, okay, yeah. and I have a lot of thermometers. Yeah. But when I was testing thermometers, I did a lot of looked at a lot of reviews, and I ordered several, and then I gave them. To people that I liked. So I gave one to Manny, right? And I gave one to my son-in-law. <laughs> and both of them kind of rolled their eyes. Oh, thank you. You know, uh -huh. thank you. Um, but then I had to borrow them back because I had some new ones that I wanted to compare them against. Okay. And it was interesting because I borrowed them back and I kind of forgot that I hadn't returned them. And both of them came back and asked, <laughs> Do you still have my food thermometer? Because once you use a good thermometer, you won't go back to using just any one. You want right. one that has big print. I always say uh -huh. large print, right? Yeah. If we're, especially somebody like me, I like a large print thermometer. Yeah. Um, you want something with a quick read time because nobody's going to sit there anytime, especially at a tailgate, and wait for five minutes or one minute, which right. seems like five minutes, to kind check the, the temperature. Those old school dial ones that yes. you're like, right. oh, how, uh, come on. Yeah. That's what I still have. But yeah. I'm like, I really need to Because you have to wait for it to stop moving before it's yes. at the right time. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And then, of uh -huh. course, I like one that's handy. Um, this particular one that I'm showing you has a magnet on it. So there's no excuse. You can put it on the side of the grill. You can put it oh. on the side of your refrigerator. Oh, that's nice. Or if you have a busy gadget drawer... Mm -hmm. I made sure the ones that I use are a bright color so it's easy to find. And then the last thing is this probe is easy to clean. And you do want to wipe it clean. Okay. Um, and it's not going to be in a, a long, thin cylinder that would be really difficult to clean. Right. So just think about what kind of thermometer you use. Make one that's easy to use. Right. It's a yeah. few seconds check, and then right. you don't have to worry about it. Now, when you clean that, that's a digital thermometer you're showing us. And so that doesn't go through the dishwasher. How do you clean that probe? Just oh, good question, Laura. <laughs> uh, I would use a small alcohol or hand sanitizer mm -hmm. wipe and okay. just wipe off the probe let it air dry, and then you can simply fold it back in. Okay. Do you use that particular thermometer like on every piece of meat that you're serving? Do you want every piece of meat temped, or do you think, okay, I put all these burgers on the grill at the relatively the same time, and yeah. one is good, are all of them good? I sometimes you... look at if the large one's good. And right. That's a really good, good idea. Right. 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 I would say if they all went on at the same time, mm -hmm. and you choose the larger one in the internal temperature, okay. say for a hamburger, 155 for 17 seconds, who's going to hold that? I would say just cook it to 160 or 165, and then you're sure. Um, okay. And you should be fine. Yeah. With, okay. You don't have to test every single one. Yeah. Okay. Do you need to have any type of separation, like, between, like, if you have chicken on the grill and then beef versus maybe somebody who might be doing a cedar plank with salmon or something like that? I'm getting mm -hmm. fancy, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gates, but, like, do you recommend that they, you know, like, if you were testing burgers, 
then clean it and test the chicken, clean it, and then how, how would you recommend Well, I would certainly clean it if I tested the burger mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't, wasn't at the right temperature. Gotcha. Got right. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you yeah. Know, the wipes are so easy to use. Right. Uh-huh. You know, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I it's you're going to cook it and somebody's going to eat it right away. It's probably going to be okay. So it just depends on how mm-hmm. particular you are. Gotcha. Very okay. good. Because once we hit that temperature, we're safe. You should be safe. Now, different foods have different temperatures. And the most common one I get asked about food is, why can I have my steak rare, mm-hmm. but yeah. why does my hamburger have to be 155, 160 Yeah, degrees? that's a good question. Uh-huh. It is a good question. So it's worth repeating. <laughs> we talked about food not being sterile. Right. But a steak is a solid type of meat, Right. Even a chicken breast, a solid type of meat. Mm-hmm. So once you cook the outside of it, the organisms aren't inside of it. Okay. Right? okay. So still, that's it, where it's contaminated. Right. Would be on but the the ground meat, yeah, the ground meat would right. have it all mixed all in. All the outside is now That's inside. why you need to make sure you have that internal temperature um, that correct. Mm-hmm. And it's a higher temperature than just can be on the outside of a steak. So yeah, ground that's... meats are higher risk for yep. that simple reason. Very good. All right. That makes it very simple. So after you cook, how do you chill? How quickly should you chill? Mm. When do you say time to hit the trash with it? At what point is our temperature outside? Did that make a difference? It Yes to all of those, right? Okay. <laughs> um, I would say, of course, everybody wants it right off the grill. Mm-hmm. This one tailgate I go to because they have really good grilled foods. I sit there and... Talk to the person who's grilling yeah. <laughs> so that I can get that one, that, the, the, the sausage that comes right at the grill because I like it that way. You know, in general, we say two hours at room temperature. And what I find convenient is just use your cell phone. Set your cell phone oh. on two hours so that it reminds you your alarm goes off and you know. But if it's hot, say above 90 degrees, uh-huh. one hour. Wow. Okay, because you just want to time it that way. But it still gives you plenty of time. And it's just a simple reminder that, hey, this has been out a while. You know, you can check the temperature. And if the temperature is still safe, then you're fine. But if it's not, then you might make the decision to put a fresh amount out Mm -hmm. or just remove that from your tailgate. And just to be clear, so temperature that's safe is anything it's still above 140 degrees. Is that correct? You can leave it out at room temperature. And it will okay. drop below that okay. over the next hour or two, but it won't have grown organisms most likely to a dangerous. Okay. Which is different than what we would have to do in a hospital or a restaurant setting. Right. Okay. That's when we're more... Right. That yeah. way, if you check it and it's, if it's below temp, you either have to reheat it to 165 for the okay. right amount of time, or you have to pitch it. So when you say you check the temperature, what temperature are you looking for if it's been out? I would say if it's dropped below, well, are we talking a hot food or a cold food? Hot food. I think we're getting too complicated. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Simple rules are better. Yeah. Yeah, make it simple. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about, you know, because there's so many rules about, I think on the test, we're off, maybe we're off here, but on the test, the hard part is you have to get it down within, you have six hours. You have to get it down within two hours to this temperature, and then you mm-hmm. have four more hours. But if you don't, you have to reheat it. So I would just prefer to okay, ignore gotcha. all that. I would just say one hour above 90 degrees. Yeah. Okay. Two hours. Yeah. Other. Is what, that okay? Yeah. yeah. What, what about chilled foods? I think about your 
grandmother's potato yes. salad. And, you know, you think of something sitting outside and it's 80 or 90 degrees and maybe it even kind of tastes a little on the warm side. Is that mm-hmm. when you should get concerned or do you again just look at that hour and then think about what temperature that is? I would say think about it for an hour. Mm-hmm. And if you have a concern, pitch it or put a new batch out. Yeah. Now, Better if, safe than sorry. If yeah. you put it on ice, if you, I mean, I've seen those things yeah. from like the companies like that have where you have some ice you can put in the bottom and a veggie, you can drop your veggie tray inside yep. of it. Does that help you or should you continue to check the temp? I think that that's a great way to serve food at a tailgate, mm-hmm. if only because it tastes better when it's at the right temperature, right. correct? Yes. Yeah, so I would follow the hour or two hour rule, but I don't know that you would necessarily have to throw it away at a certain temperature if you stayed within the time. Because you can control food safety by time, by temperature, or by time and temperature. And in this case, I think at a tailgate, time will be your guiding factor. Okay. Gotcha. That's fair. Sounds good. Okay. So, let's see. Any other ending thoughts, Mary, or anything else you wanted to... We've talked a lot about about, uh, food safety today. I would just say that for a tailgate, just remember a few keeps, right? Keep it safe. Keep it separate. Uh-huh. But don't keep the leftovers. Pitch your leftovers <laughs> after a tailgate. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm. I. It's hard for me to let go of leftovers too. Like you said, I'm all about not wasting food and keeping those leftovers. But I think it feels better risky. safe than sorry. I mean, we have yeah. a home. We don't have. We, my husband loves to grill out, and so we'll have like a home barbecues and mm-hmm. and things like that. And they might sit. The stuff might sit out for an hour on our kitchen counter, but that's at room temperature, and I feel pretty safe reheating those things as long yeah. as I heat them to like steaming hot. Right. Right. Um, yeah. You know, everybody makes fun of me because I make things really hot mm-hmm. in the microwave, but I think to me it makes me feel better about eating it. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I feel like it's not been sitting outside. It's been sitting in the house sure. for an hour and we put all the right. food away and I feel pretty good about that. But yeah. I can see if you've been out at a tailgate from 8.30 to noon. Yeah. Right. Or after. Right. I would... I'm kind of a great right. error on the side of the Well, there, there are tailgates where you're tailgating in the beginning, you go to the game, and then you tailgate oh, later. Have you seen true. those people mm-hmm. that are yes. serious tailgaters, right? Uh-huh. Or avoiding the traffic, you know, right. one of the yeah. two. No, but... I have one that I always stop to after the game. <laughs> yep. Exactly, you know? exactly. So that's definitely something where you'd have to have a backup energy like source so that you can mm-hmm. like refrigerate things or something like that yeah, right? and if you've had it on ice the whole time mm-hmm. gotcha. you'd be fine yeah right. okay and, and when you reheat as well 165 degrees in the microwave mm-hmm. um you want to let it set you want to stir it while you do it mm-hmm. but then yep. it's probably fine yep right okay okay so let's say you're going to somebody else's tailgate and you see unsafe food practices. So, I mean, I'm hoping the podcast uh, listeners today yeah. take a lot away from this and they're going to the next tailgate and they see stuff. Like, <laughs> how do you, I mean, I imagine you seem like a pretty outspoken person and I dig that. Um, what, what, what is my responsibility to say? Like, we should get that on ice or I should tempt yeah. that. Or, you know, did you bring a thermometer? <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to be that person. Right. You don't want to be that, that person. Like, but, but, but what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> Choose like, your on. tailgates wisely. <laughs> like I said, I stand by the grill. Right, right. <laughs> I try to get, get there when the pizza's up. delivered. Okay. <laughs> right. um, but I, I usually, unless asked, right. don't. 
necessarily try to correct people. Right. Um, but if you see something that is really worrisome, like yeah. somebody that you know is sick, uh-huh. eating something that you know might make them sicker, then I might pull them aside and have a private <laughs> right. conversation. Well, and you can avoid, you know, everybody's always got chips and things like that that right. are not a concern. So if you're thinking about like, well, I can just bypass potato salad because right. I know how long that might be sitting there. And or maybe you don't know how long. And right. even just... If it feels a little sketchy, you can yeah. kind of like pass that and just uh-huh. grab potato chips or something that right. you're not going to be affected by the, right. by the temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about KeepSafeFood.com. I'm so excited to visit this website. Yeah. I would be curious to know, you know, what kind of things you can offer your readers and your, your website visitors. Well, you know, the whole goal of Keep Safe Food is to give people what they need to know right when and where they need to know it for food safety. We have a simple food safety kit that has something for each element of food safety. You know, sanitizer for keep it clean, a chopping mats to keep things separate. And the fun thing about the chopping mats is they have right on them not only food safety tips, and there's one specifically for tailgating and picnicking, but it has the temperature that you should cook the food to. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it's fun because when I developed those mats, my nephew was actually one of the folks I tested them on, and he, Aunt Mary, what are these numbers? And I'm like, that's how high the temperature should be when you cook the food. And he goes, well, you need to put that on there. Duh, so I did. So you have separate. Then we have chill, which is just a simple thing like a refrigerator magnet that says how long you should keep things in your refrigerator. Mm, And then, of course, for cook, we have the best of the thermometers of all the ones that I tested that has all of those kind of things in it. So you've done the research. I've done the research and tested them. (laughs) But the, the website also has things like a tailgate food safety checklist that you can download and always different ideas or blogs with new topics about simple ways to keep food safe at home. Wonderful. Very cool. Yeah. And I think you said, Mary, that you, if anybody would listen to this podcast and go to your site and order something that you would be, you had a little bonus for them? Oh, that's right, Laura. (laughs) So if you go to keepsafefood.com, one, I would encourage you to subscribe to the website, download the um, free tailgate food safety checklist. Mm -hmm. But if you order anything, I have thermometers that you can put in your cooler that will, you can use for tailgates that'll tell you how cold your food is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're great because most of us don't have coolers with thermometers in them. You might have a refrigerator (laughs) with a thermometer in it, but you will get a free thermometer that you can stick in your cooler and keep track of your temperatures when you take your food on the road. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's You're awesome. Welcome. Well, I want to thank our first in-house guest yes. today. Oh, this was um, this is really, we've really had a good time. I have learned a ton from you, and I yeah. I felt like I was pretty up on food safety, but I know I'm like I'm like man, I need to talk to her more. Yeah, <laughs> that's really fascinating. Yeah. So if you have more ideas for guests, we'd love to hear them. Yeah. Um, you can contact us at our website, dish at secretliferd.com, or visit our website at www.secretliferd.com. And we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.